Welcome to Random Rewards, the one and only, the beautiful, the most exciting and most fun gamification show. Welcome to Random Rewards. We are the podcast where we discuss how to make business for more fun with gamification. So Chris, how does it work today? I'm glad you asked. Uh, how it works is we open by discussing a game, then we deconstruct how that game motivates users, and then brainstorming on the fly, we uh, decide how to solve a random business problem. Today, what game are we talking about? We are going to talk about Uno. <laughs> so this is going to be quite exciting. And I think a lot of people here actually know that from the very early times of their childhood. Yeah, we probably don't need to describe Uno too, in too much detail. Exactly. Uh, if and you, Yeah. If you like to discuss a particular game, you can also send us an email at renewards at octahousegroup.com. Awesome. So yeah, we're going to talk about Uno. And where to start with Uno? I mean, I guess we can start with the rules. Like the objective is, is to, I love the game because in its simplicity, like the name of the game is the actual objective of the game is to end up with Uno cards. So good, good on you, game designers. You, you did well. <laughs> I think I really love the simplicity of the game. I mean, it's really just a few cards with four colors, right? Yeah. And numbers. So it's basically like your standard card deck. Yeah. But then they have those booster cards as well that they integrate. So you need to pick up cards or you can change uh, the direction of how the game is played, for example. So oh, make it... Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just realized. <laughs> what... what um, so I think there's like a house rule with this. Like, you know how games have house rules? Like when you're playing... Oh, yes. I think there are quite a lot of those house rules. In yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're playing Monopoly, it's like what happens when you get to free parking? Like different people mm -hmm. have different conditions. So in Uno, what do you do when you don't have a number or a color to play? Do you oh, you need to pick up card? a card. Yeah, just you need one? to pick up a card. Yeah, just one card. Okay, so the way we did it was extra punishing and you had to pick up cards until you found a card that you could play. So oh, you really? You pick up cards uh, like forever, basically. So oftentimes you'd be picking up like five to 10 cards. If you didn't have cards <laughs> That's play. quite mean, wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is quite mean, right? Maybe that's why our games last so long. Hmm. And then, yeah, and then you can also, you can put multiple cards on top of each other if they're the same card. Did you do that the same way? Yeah. Like if you have two, yeah, yeah, if you have two pick up cards, then you can play like three or four of them. At a time, like one person could do that? Oh, actually, you don't, right? Yeah. No, you need to keep them for yourself. But then if another person has the plus two, then you can put the next plus two on it. And then like that, you, you can, if you're like, I usually stack up my cards mm -hmm. and then I play them all together. So the other person needs to pick up like eight cards or something like that. <laughs> and then it's basically both or multiple people doing that, right? And then... Yeah. Yeah, it can get quite gnarly. Yeah, yeah. So so what's interesting about Uno is 
the the game is the goal is to get rid of your cards by stacking them in a central pile and the way you get rid of them is you have to match either the color or the number um if you don't have it like you said we draw one or multiple depending on your house rule and but there are these strategic cards there's the draw two card there's the draw four card and then there's the wild card where you can just change the suit or change the color thinking of normal cards um and then you can choose the uh then there's like the epic card which is the wild draw four so it's i get Mm. to choose the color and you have to draw four yes and i always keep that for till the very end (laughs) yeah like i mean with that card you can basically play it anytime and also the the draw uh not the draw the pick a color card i usually try to use that till the very very end because i mean if you have two cards left and you say uno and then you have the last one then yeah oh yeah what are you doing when you forget to say uno i think it's draw four you have to draw four i think oh four really yeah oh okay your family is really mean (laughs) yeah we're all just yeah (laughs) we're like terrible actually i should do that because we just have pick up one card just one yeah Yeah. but that person's so close to winning still like it doesn't yeah maybe we were like all about we were like into game design and balance even back then i don't know i think um, the thing is the other person then knows like basically you need to change the color right yeah so if the other person can avoid it then you will not be very successful even if you for if you even if you just have one card most of the time if somebody forgets to say uno they're gonna lose in any that case. person's not paying attention like they're yeah. not in it to actually win the game <laughs> <laughs> what's interesting i was just thinking about the game is actually very so we were talking about the simplicity so the game is the name of the objective is the name of the game but also the like final last ditch mechanic is also named. You have to say the word Uno. Mm. Like that's such a, there's no other game that's like that where when you get close to the win condition, you have to do one special thing to make sure that you don't get punished. There is games which has the same thing. You need to say games before, right? Games? I haven't heard this. Maybe it's a Swiss game. I don't know. It's a card game just with normal cards. And you play it in in two teams. Mm -hmm. And basically the other person, I think it works like the other person of your team, you need to make like a sign and the other person needs to say games. If you do that sign, but if somebody else sees that sign, then you're They can say it first. Yeah. And then they, they will win the game. Yeah, it's interesting. So so through a game designer lens, like how do you think about Uno? Do you think it's like a well, well-made game? I think it's really well made actually because it's so simple, but yeah. so engaging and you can play it with anyone. There's no onboarding, right? Yeah. Basically, I mean, what does it take? Like one minute to explain Uno to somebody? Yeah. And you basically can just play and then you learn by playing. Yeah. So that is really amazing. And it also, it's not getting boring after like playing it 10 times. It, oh, there's always 
a different strategy that you can use. So there's a lot of quarter three. And yeah, that's why I think it's quite a, quite a balanced game. And you can add rules. So for example, actually, I have another rule that I implement based on other card games, which is you're not allowed to touch your cards before the, co- the person who was giving out the cards touches them. Otherwise, you need to pick up another card. What? So you can't touch mm. your cards before, oh, when, the pers- when you first deal, you mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that is kind of funny, especially if you are like hanging around with your friends, you have like a, a, a beer or something like that. And they just don't pay attention. Yeah. They just grab their card. <laughs> or you like make some sort of joke, like you, you put it like really close to them, right? And they think like it falls down or something like that and they pick it or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's like I mean. Some meta game strategy. Mm. It's kind so of funny. You were talking about Core Drive 3, empowerment and creativity and feedback. And so something something we do, you might say, well, why why does Uno matter? Like why why are we talking about Uno? But part of what we do as gamification consultants and designers is we take the eight core drives that are uh, presented by the Octalysis framework and we use it to analyze why people find games so engaging. You're talking about Uno, it's quick to learn and it's got seemingly infinite replay replayability like any store you go to will be selling uno even if like any any department (laughs) store it's one of the most common games and it's a game that's i don't know how long it's been out but it's it's lasted many many years and so Mm -hmm. if you were a business owner listening to this you're wanting to create an app like that's the kind of engagement you would want for your app is people quick to learn. Like a lot of people fall off on onboarding and a lot of people don't stay with something after the initial excitement of it. So I think we have a lot to learn from Uno. So what do you think would be the main core drives in Uno? We talked about core drive three, empowerment of creativity and feedback. So something that gives you the ability to to strategize, to be creative in the way you play it. Yeah. What else would you think is is a core drive that you would mention? Um, definitely core drive five, social influence and relatedness, because you have to mm. play it with other people. <laughs> you have <laughs> you <know>. to. <laughs> and uh, but it's and it's it's competition, and the competition is driving you forward. And um, but I would also say, I don't know. Would you say it's core drive two or core drive six? You're watching other people's cards. You're watching the number mm. of them. And that's oftentimes creating this like uh, increased intensity of play. Because if someone gets down closer to one card, you know they're about to win. So you don't need, it's actually a really engaging feedback mechanic. Mm -hmm. And it's very simple, again, uh, because everybody holds their cards out. I mean, some people cheat, and I've definitely done this before, where you hold all your cards in a stack and it looks like you have one (laughs) and then someone calls (laughs) Uno on you and you go, Nope, I've got five cards. (laughs) But yeah. So would you think, is that more scarcity? Is that more accomplishment? Because the cards are counting down. So I think it's more scarcity. Yeah. I was thinking the same now because it's kind of interesting, but it almost is like a, um, a timer, right? It kind of sort of, so almost it's almost 
quarter of eight to loss and avoidance. So you're scared of losing the game because you feel like you're running out of time. So it's a a mix between scarcity and and loss and avoidance. But it has that sense of accomplishment too, because it's kind of like a progress bar that goes, well, it kind of like you're running out of lives, right? (laughs) Basically. Yeah, yeah. You're running out of time, uh, health or whatever. You're running Mm. out of whatever you define success. And I think it depends a little bit on which side you are. Are you the one that is actually in the winning team? Like, are you winning? Are you able to get rid of your cards or are you not able? Are you just stacking up like 20 cards and you can almost not hold that anymore? So I think there, there's way more card of eight. Uh, loss yeah. and avoidance if you have all those cards stacked up but it, it's more core up to development and accomplishment if you're actually winning it feels more yeah it feels that like you're actually progressing through the game yeah i think this is one of the first games we've talked about like <clears throat> if you listen to our other episodes we tend to focus on games that are highly intrinsic and highly white hat those are the core drives that follow into things uh the motivations of doing something just because you want to, you're, you're intrinsically motivated and also doing things that give you feelings of creativity or meaning or accomplishment. They're what we call white hat core drives. And that makes sense because white hat intrinsic core drives are those that stick with you and those that cause you to want to engage in something long-term. But this is, I think, one of the first games we've talked about that is long-lasting and also has a major emphasis on black hat motivation. Mm-hmm. And, that's- and I think there's, yeah, there's a lot of quarter of seven too, obviously. Um, so unpredictability and curiosity because you don't know what card you're going to draw. So, and what the other person's going to play as well. So you sometimes think like, oh, this other person might have just red cards left. So I'm going to play green. Yeah. Something like that. It's, so so, so core drive seven, I was thinking of that too. And it's interesting because the core drive seven causes you to want to exert more control. Like you don't want it to be unpredictable. You want it to be predictable so that Mm. you can win. And so, you know, like for example, you play like a reverse card and you will feel more in control uh, by reducing the unpredictability because you say, okay, now it's reversing and and now we're going to the person before me uh, because I have a strategy. But if someone did that to you, if they played a reverse mm-hmm. on you, then you're like, oh my God, there's too much unpredictability. So, <laughs> you know, a lot of times we talk about unpredictability motivating people. We talk about like gambling and that's like exciting unpredictability. It's like, am I going to mm-hmm. win? I don't know. But mm-hmm. here you you don't want it. You don't want it. So would that be like yeah, an anti-core drive? I guess so. It's kind of interesting because at the same time though, yeah. That unpredictability unconsciously makes you being really uh, awake in the game, right? Yeah. It makes you engaged in the game, but it's like this feeling of almost like a good feeling of being annoyed <laughs> about it. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of interesting how they're how they designed this game to actually like if you're losing you're feeling more engaged like if you're actually like really bad at the game you're like oh my god i need a red card oh now i can play finally kind of play a a red card and then the losing of it actually makes you want to win more right because you want to show the other person that you can still win the game and i think that a lot of 
good games do that really well. The the actual mechanics in the game on how you losing it, like how you losing in the game and yeah. why you're losing and the balance of it, like the possibility of losing. Whenever I, w- I used to watch game shows, <coughs> sorry, something stuck in my throat. Uh, I used to watch game shows and at, at the, like near the end, like in, in the final round, oftentimes the host would say, but you know, such and such, this person has this many points, this many points, but don't worry. Or, or they wouldn't say, don't worry, but they say, but it's still anybody's game. And I would always be curious, like, why did they say that? But I think the reason why is because you don't want, first of all, you don't want the people playing to feel demotivated, like, oh, I'm going to lose. So why yeah. should I even try? But also for the audience, right? Like, you don't want the audience to feel like it's a foregone conclusion. Otherwise, they could just stop watching mm, right there. Totally. Yeah. Totally. I so, mean, it's like having a having a, a leaderboard and like four people are on the top and the last one is like on the very bottom and it just feels like yeah. I cannot win this anymore, right? So yeah. why even bother? Yeah. So we Yeah. Something something that uh the strategy comes into play in Uno and I think one of the reasons why it doesn't feel like you're ever totally out of the game is if you pull a card that's like a wild draw four because you can totally change the tone of the game because you can watch like the cards that other people are putting down everybody else is putting down blue okay i'm changing it to red and it's red and you're drawing four and you can totally change the game in an instant and yeah you never feel like you're completely gonna lose and there's a lot of times when i played it actually I would just have one card left, but it's the wrong color. <laughs> yeah. And I went from one card to 20 cards. And the people next to me, they were having like a lot of cards. So I'm like, oh, I'm like easy going to win that with one card left. But yeah. it just never pitched up. So there's oh, always that chance. That's so interesting. Like that's another way the game kind of balances itself. Like the less cards you have, the less options you have. So as you get closer to winning, it becomes harder to win. Totally. Wow. So you need to actually strategically plan it if possible, if you have the right cards, right? Yeah. To be able that the last card you're playing is like either a pick your color card or pick your color and pick up four cards card. That's like the best you can do basically. So yeah, like you have always have a chance to win that, right? Or, or the second last, right? The second last card. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you always have a little bit of a chance. So everybody's always in it. I like that. It's it, you feel good, but slightly annoyed. <laughs> I think that's a really good way to put it. It's a bit like of the monopoly effect too. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like unless you're winning, like you're like, ah, oh, like I'm almost there. I'm not quite there. That's that black hat um, urgency kind of effect, I think. Mm-hmm. So okay. now, now we're going to switch into gamify this where we we pick a random business something that or a random industry something that neither of us had known about until now and we're going to on the fly come up with some consulting some advice some ideas for what we could do to make the most engaging design and experience for that for that imaginary client so exactly. I've, I've pulled the random random industry out of a hat and it is manufacturing 
Oh, wow. Manufacturing. Manufacturing of cars? Of anything. Is that what we want to do? We can we can we have a little bit of uh, ability to control our destiny by deciding what is being manufactured. I, I was see thinking so many cars here right now. <laughs> car manufacturing. Well, I was thinking because because car manufacturing would be more like um, I guess it's B to C, but you know you only buy one car every you know five ten years, so it would be hard to engage on the manufacturing level to, on a B to C way. So I was thinking maybe more like three D printing. Hmm, 3D printing could be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what now we we 3D print though. Yeah. What do cars? <laughs> like model car cars. parts. Like car parts. <laughs> car parts for amateur for amateur fixing. Yeah. The, oh yeah. The, uh, we're sure. also going to pick a random uh, business metric, and what we mean by this is what is the top business objective that we are measuring? Not that there couldn't be other business metrics, but. This is the one that the client has decided is the most important. So the random one today is user signups. So user the signups. So the amount of people signing up for this company app experience, whatever it is. So do we have like an app where you can order parts or order 3D printed parts or do you 3D print it yourself at home? Wow, that would be such a game changer. That would be so disruptive to the automotive industry if people could 3D print their own car parts. Well, they could. I think they somebody even 3D printed their braces. Wow. Yeah. Can you 3D print steel? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Wow. Well, I don't know about the exact materials and like how to do that, but yeah. I guess you can 3D print quite a lot of things. Like you can build a whole building with 3d printing i think these okay. days wow all right so 3d printing car parts and we want as many people as possible <laughs> to sign up for it <laughs> okay there's so an app maybe where you can get like the the forms the shapes the mm -hmm. i don't know how you say that the models yeah yeah that you can then put on like load onto your 3d printer mm -hmm. and then and then yeah. install in your car for your for exactly. your amateur home mechanics. So do you yeah. think there's like a monthly scheme where you sign up or is it a per part subscription? What sort of subscription is it? Because that is actually quite an important question because we yeah. have that a lot of times with our clients that yeah. they weren't quite clear about yeah. how the subscription works. And yeah. it totally changes the way we design something for them. Right. If it's, for example, a subscription that is a monthly subscription, yearly subscription, or yeah. if it's paid by part. And there might be different levels, right, as well. But yeah, it's it could be like know. freemium, like you get the spark plugs freemium. for free. And mm -hmm. then you and then you get, uh, you know, heart. I know nothing about cars, so I'm going to sound like not exactly <laughs> an expert. Get some, some, some more scarce parts. Yeah, get some more scarce parts. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> You get your catalytic converter or your, um, uh, I'm done. So, uh, yeah, you get your scarce parts for, for money uh, or, or for upgrading your subscription to the premium model. But you can get, maybe it's more like cosmetic things that are free. Like you can like, you know, 3D print like dice to like hang from your, hang from your, your rear 
rear mirror rear view mirror that's for the beginners maybe maybe yeah, you have exactly. like different levels so if you start with the 3d printing yeah. first we may we might not want you to 3d print an engine or something like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah 3d printing well and then it could be also you have to have like a professional account so so one of the things mm -hmm. this gets into the conversation about somebody a client comes in they're like i love the game uno it's the only game i know and i want you guys to make this app as engaging as possible and here's the business metrics that we've described but the main the next thing to talk about is user types so are we doing this for the general customer or are we doing this for like experienced auto mechanics? Yeah. Something I was going to say is that, you know, there could be stuff that the general customer could see, but then you have to have a business account and you're yeah. like have a month or yearly membership to this, to this uh, app that like gives you these models for people who are, who are auto mechanics. So if it's for mm -hmm. auto mechanics to use an installation then that makes sense because now you're not cutting out the middleman. They already have expertise. They're just using this as a way to get uh, better part, quicker, easier, cheaper parts. Yes, totally. I think so. I think that is a great point you made here. Yeah. And I think in this, in this uh, example, we can just use a professional account and a amateur account. Yeah. So we yeah. have two different user types. One is like your general public, but for them, we might want to just provide really simple things like yeah. interior and yeah. maybe some like little screws and things like that if something yeah. breaks. Yeah. But maybe you don't really like, based on security reasons, you might not want them to <laughs> print something like clutches or yeah, something that is a little bit more important to be right on your car. Yeah. Exactly. So now, so now we've got this, we've got this business, we've got this app. Um, we're, we're going to want to talk about desired actions. So we want people to sign up. Obviously we want people to sign up for the app. It's really important. That's like the main business metric is the amount of people mm -hmm. signed up. So the, the, the company is coming to us wanting to have massive growth. Maybe they're, you know, they have venture capital and the venture capital is based on certain amount of like proposed user growth in the future or something. Mm -hmm. So we want people to sign up and then I'm assuming purchase uh, one or more parts, browse the, browse the listings. So when it comes to desired actions, we want to talk about not just a couple of actions. We want to talk about the entire user journey of what the user is going to do. We're not going to talk about that here uh, because it would take too long, but some and of the actions. And one of the things I thought about now is also like, Actually, if we would work with a client, we would need to be very sure if there's like any partnerships with maybe other car manufacturers. Sure. Because for example, for Porsche, they might have a specific screw that they right. don't want to just release, yeah. you know. Um, so you might need to have those partnerships. And yeah. it's with a lot of with a lot of clients actually. Yeah. is that we need to make sure what are the actual requirements that we have and yeah. what do what what do we have available for them based on rewards maybe as well and yeah because rewards is, are going to be quite important in in that situation too yeah this is why there's no like a lot of people uh want gamification platforms there's no out of the box solution that applies to all mm -hmm. situations. So here, this is a highly specific 
um, business that that we're designing for. So, yeah. so yeah. And today so we, we obviously can't go into that much detail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so what we wouldn't do, for example, once we've defined these things, if someone says make it like Uno, what we wouldn't do is say, okay, so you start out with four a, colors. Yeah, there's four <laughs> colors. There's four colors of of different car parts and you have to match the car parts and try to get rid of as many as you can and then you'll win the game and you'll be able to print out your car part right that would make no sense and that's what a lot of people actually do when they think of game <sighs> they think of just slapping game-like elements onto an experience and assuming it's going to a make sense and b be fun and engaging I was just thinking about how that car would look like if you would do this. <laughs> a four-color car. And then you play it with your friends, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you put it in reverse. Who, who builds the cooler car. car in the end? Car, no joke. <laughs> yeah, so, so that's what we wouldn't do. But what we would do is we'd go back to the core drive. So the main core drives we're talking about are core drive 3, um, core drive 8, 6, and core drive 5. So we would start brainstorming. This is one of the steps of our five-step octalysis process about what are features that would motivate these core drives. I think one of the first ones we can talk about is core drive three, because I think intrinsically mm -hmm. 3D printing already has quite a lot of 3D, 3D3, CD3. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of rhymes, 3D. CD. Yeah. Core drive three, empowerment of creativity and feedback. Not sure if we said that already. Yes, exactly. But yeah, so so one of the things that um, that we often say it is like a really good design, assuming it makes sense, is using the use of boosters. A booster is an item or something that the user can attain to that empowers them to take desired action. So for example, if you're playing a game, and you're killing monsters, you know, and it's only so effective, but then you get a better sword, you don't want to then quit the game. <laughs> you yeah, want to in, go kill more monsters. And in Uno, that's, for example, the plus four, right. choose your color card. Yeah, you wouldn't, you would never want to leave the game right after, right after playing one of those cards. Yeah, if you, if you draw one of those cards, you don't want to leave at all. You want to play no. till the very end where you can actually give that card to the other person, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so what would be a booster in, in the case of our, of our app where you're, you're getting 3D printed sort of different, Say, say, what would be a booster for the public user type, not the mechanics? I think we can have like different sorts of parts that you can get yeah. Yeah. with um, by using those the scarcity card as well, right? By using yeah. very a lot of scarcity, you can choose booster maybe you attain those boosters by uh, by 3d printing the general parts like the normal parts mm -hmm. so if you have like a collection of four of those parts yeah you you get a booster which then helps you to build a more uh, a harder part right for yeah. example yeah yeah i think um you know one one thing we could talk about is 
is for the general public, perhaps they're building, you know, models of cars, not necessarily just cars themselves. And then, uh, or because if, if you do that, then you have more access to being able to open up to more kinds of parts that they could get. So they could 3D print a windshield or 3D print tires or any of this kind of stuff for, for model cars. But the, mm-hmm. the, the, the process is the same, right? You just have access to more parts to play with. And so if they have model cars, one of the boosters could be uh, different kinds. I mean, people like to customize cars all kinds of ways. So yeah. different, different real life boosters on cars are like spoilers that supposedly just improve the, the look, right? Accessorizing your car, you get cool different rims. Um, you get different kinds of paint jobs. So maybe you have access to different cool like colors that you could that you could get. Although I don't know how coloring works with 3D printing. Oftentimes I see things 3D printed, they're like one color, but say you could get mm-hmm. access to those colors as well. And and all of these things like, you know, sort of act as boosters, like literally boosters in the sense that mm-hmm. like they could boost the speed of the car as well. I think the, the important thing in that part is really the leveling up that yeah. you start as like a really simple, with really, sim- it's like almost puzzles, right? Like mm-hmm. with a really, really simple one. And yeah. then as more as you do, as harder, you can unlock them. Yeah. So the unlocking of that, so quarter of six, um, scarcity and patience is quite important to build up the right amount of quarter of three empowerment of creativity, because yeah. I think if it comes too early, it yeah. will be quite overwhelming for most of the users. Right. Yeah, absolutely. We were talking in the about general how, public. Yeah. General public. <laughs> we were talking about on a previous podcast about, about how limitation increases creativity. And that mm-hmm. is like really, that is really essential here. Like we were saying about balance, um, that would be something you'd have to work out in the battle plan spreadsheet, which is one of the steps that we have in our five step process we'd have to talk about exactly like which boosters get doled out in what schedule and what boosters people have access to at any given time. Cause like you said, it could become really overwhelming. The thing about Uno is it's very simple. So maybe in the beginning you can only build part of a car or only, you only have access to a very limited amount of tools. And as you build them, you get access to more and more and you can build different kinds of cars and it builds out. It's kind of, I'm thinking about kind of how Legos does it. You, have, mm. If you think of them like Legos, you have these modular parts and you start out with the tiny Lego set with only like a few parts and then you like build more and more and more. Totally. I think Uno, it's quite interesting. I thought about this now. Uno almost does it the opposite way. Yeah. So you in the beginning, you have like a lot of options. Right. But then, because it, the game is so simple, right? But with car parts, you can't really do that. Otherwise, you're totally going to overwhelm everyone. Yeah. And then it builds it down to like really specific actions that you need to take. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to do it. And then you need to redo it again and again. But in real life, that wouldn't work. So that's another example, a good example for that. We can't just always take things from games and the make them trying to fit them into the exact same way that they work on in real life. Right. Cause we know that the user types would be overwhelmed by the amount of choice. That being said, the other, the other user type, the professionals, 
they might mm-hmm. love that much choice. Exactly. And, yeah. and they might, you know, be motivated by not wanting to lose access, for example. Like maybe if they didn't print enough, they didn't print enough parts and use enough parts, they would get access to a li- more and more limited pool of More parts. limited amount, yeah. And if they would do more, they would unlock the, the newer ones again, like the yeah. more broader yeah, exactly. They would have like a pool of parts that they could choose from that was like part of their like payment. Someone's plan. like stealing their toolboxes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they could they could re-energize their toolboxes by, exactly. by taking the desired action, so which is they could up. basically yeah, they could basically gain boosters that give them back their tools or make it available for them more. Right. So so another thing our client really wants is new user signups. So if we could focus on what what would drive new user signups the most in this kind of business. So the question is also like where do they come from, right? Yeah. Yeah. What are the what are the channels in which these people are being driven to? Yeah. I mean, if they're if they're building model cars and that's like hobbyist groups. Um, yeah. If they're professionals, then they're they're part of some association, or mm-hmm. you know, or they a you know as part of as part of the deals with these different partners, right? If Volkswagen yeah. or Porsche is like, yeah, sure, sign up for this app, and you can start three D printing our parts, and it's cheaper. Yeah. So the first thing is to find out where do they go, what is their needs. Like for example, for some people, it might be like oh, something's broken in my car. I want to fix it. Like the sort of hobby, but like hobby yeah. professional fixer person. Yeah. And then the the general public though, they just do it for fun, like to like customize their car a little. Actually quite a lot of core F4 uh, yeah. ownership and possession is, is, they're quite motivated by that. That's true. And then you have the professional professionals, which are, they really just want to do their job. Like, so I think there's a lot of quarter two empowerment, uh, sorry, development and accomplishment. Yeah. So I think, yeah, there's three different users almost <laughs> that we need to. Right, right. That we have to, that we have to focus on. So for how the to ho- get there for the hobby and professional hobby slash professional people who just like to do a lot of customization on their car. That seems like a viral way to get more people to sign up is Mm. to give some kind of discount. So we know that, that in the onboarding phase or the discovery phase, um, giving users the promise of a reward with which to engage in your app is a good way to get people to download the app to, to sign up. So maybe you get your first part for a major discount who wouldn't want to get a cool part for their car at a discount, but maybe the only way you can do that is if you invite a friend and the way you invite a friend is you have to post a picture on social media of the customization that you installed in your car mm-hmm. and you can say, check this out. I 3d printed this thing's crazy. Like if you want to get one, just send me, you know, send me a message and I'll get you a like custom invite link or something like that. Yeah. I think there could be like some competition, right? Who builds the coolest car parts like mm. the coolest design of of the interior of your car for example 
Yeah. And I remember there's some there were some competitions like that for shoes. For example, mm-hmm. I think Nike did this. Yeah. Where you can build your own shoe with like a 3D program online. Yeah. Yeah. And you can put like new patterns on it and like style the shoe however you wanted it to be. Yeah. And then the winner would the winners would get some like their special version actually like made for them. Yeah. So that could be quite an interesting, interesting way of engaging people. Basically, that that would also be a lot of quarter drive three empowerment of creativity and feedback. Yeah, and, and ownership and possession five. Yeah. and quarter five too because of the sharing and the the virality of it that it can have. Right, showing people um, what you've done with your own car, and I think a lot of people. Mm-hmm from conversations I've had with car enthusiasts, like they love talking about their car. They love showing mm-hmm. off their car. It's definitely like a totally. point of status. So totally. And that's why like people would go out with their car and just like, vroom, vroom. Hey, this is me. Hello. Look at me. Right. Yeah. And something, and, and something that, you know, we could think about is like, what would be the most visible thing? Like what could you 3d print and put on a car that other people would see so that when you were driving through the world, like I'm thinking of back when Lyft was first starting, they had their pink mustache. It was like a, (laughs) you knew it was a Lyft car because it had a pink mustache, like decal Mm. on it. And it was like a way that people who were in the know knew about it. And other people were, their interest was peak. They were, they were like, what's that about? Like, and and then it became like the social currency thing. It was this very observable uh, social currency. So I think it needs to be something very visible, but not too um, silly because yeah. a lot of people wouldn't want their, their car to look silly. Right. So maybe something on the wheels that like, is like very special yeah. that you can 3d print something on the handle, something, something that, yeah, doesn't, uh, doesn't mess with the functionality of the car. It looks cool. Mm-hmm. But it's something that was 3D, 3D printed. And when people yeah. put it on their car, then it's like a status symbol. Like, check me out. I 3D print my own parts for my car and I like kitted it out. Totally. Yeah. That so would maybe you even have the that. choice of like what part it is. Like maybe mm-hmm. it's an interior thing or an exterior thing. You can just choose whatever you, you like. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, you know, there could be potentially this is how we could connect. So another thing we need to think about is like asynchronous or um, asymmetric uh, user types. So there's a different experience for the people who are the professionals versus the amateur or the public. Right. And Mm -hmm. so, and it's great to be able to connect them together because the more you can connect them together, the user types are both moving through the experience motivated by each other. So one way to do that is to have the professionals essentially sponsor these parts that are very highly visible and exciting mm-hmm. to the general public. And so now somebody signs up for the app and they get a sponsor of a local mechanic who then reduces the cost totally. on their piece. It's basically like a customized flyer for their business almost. I love that. Yeah. And then they, they create that, that social worth, um, you know, that social, the social relatedness, basically you, you feel like, Oh, wow, this, this, this mechanic like gave me or sponsored me this, 
like prize that mm-hmm. I can now put on my car. Maybe it doesn't say like go to Joe's mechanic, but now you know, and now you'll tell your friends like I got this cool yeah. app, which is already cool from this mechanic. And so then mechanics and and professionals are further incentivized because it's a new cool kind of advertising for them, and it's local totally. because it's on your car. And this gives it like a sort of feeling of a two-player mode, right? You're not actually alone in the game. You're playing it with together with your mechanic. That's yeah. kind of cool. Like you, you as the normal general public can now actually play together with a specialist, with somebody professional that yeah. builds your own unique idea. Yeah. And actually, it's not more expensive because the app provides that, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, the app facilitates it. Yeah, and I think that's great because, you know, how cool would it be to be able to change your relationship to your car mechanic? Like the best, you know, it's really nice to have a relationship with a car mechanic where you feel like you can really trust them and that you go to the same one over and over and you build this like sort of long-term connection and they like know your car and they've worked on it before and they give you customized yeah. advice. It's that that function f- feature against uh, human yeah. f- uh, fun- uh, human focused design, right? So yeah. because a lot of times when we go to the mechanic, it's like, it's so function focused. It's like, oh, your, your uh, gear doesn't work. Oh, okay, I fix it. And then goodbye. It's like there's no social interaction happening. And it, that's not good for the motivation of the mechanic, nor is it good for yours. But if you have somebody that you can really rely on and trust and have like fun with, actually, that's worth a lot, right? You can at least like have a good time going to the mechanic. Like you're actually, you might be even excited when your car breaks, right? Like <laughs> <laughs> you might be excited when your car breaks. Yeah. You're like, Oh my God. Like my brakes are not working anymore. I need to go to the mechanic. Yes. I need to go to the mechanic. Woo-hoo! <laughs> yeah. I'm going to build this app and I'm going to get points or whatever. Uh, yeah. Status. <laughs> and then I'll be able to share that. And like, Maybe people cheers. start breaking their cars. We don't want to do that. Right. Yeah. That, see would that be We don't desire. motivate. <laughs> Well, I mean, to motivate this, people breaking their cars. I mean, this business would love if your if your car if people were like intentionally breaking their cars because then they could sell more parts. But uh, yeah, we don't want that. We 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 don't want it to be so powerful. Gamification can be very powerful though, so uh-huh. so it's definitely something to <laughs> to watch out for. Great. So okay. I think we I think we nailed this this app, and uh, that's it for today. Yeah, I think so too. I think we we built a really exciting app. If you want to know a little bit more about us or about what we're doing, you can also find Chris at... Chris underscore Tommaso on Twitter or Sabrina. I am at User Adventure on Twitter or also other platforms like Instagram or Facebook. And you can also send us an email at randomworlds at octalysisgroup.com yeah and also if you'd like to join the community check out our facebook octalysis explorers group and if you're interested in seeing our case studies check them out at octalysisgroup.com and actually we have a twitter too we didn't even say that we have oh, yeah. twitter, we have a twitter random rewards actually yeah. so join us at random rewards and on twitter we yeah, have exactly. a few really cool studies that we sharing there all the time so Yeah, absolutely. And it's a good place to come and engage with us, talk about what are your favorite games, um, things you would like to see. We are open for feedback.
Great. So until your next rewarding time together. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. See you next time. We got to end this. We got to end it. And game over. Game over. Game over. Until next time.